This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host Charlotte and we're here in a very busy week, but thankfully to sort it all out and dissect it with me are the wonderful Tatten and Diane. How are you both? Hi Charlotte. Um, apologies in advance if my cat meows or moans during this podcast. <laughs> she's just... It's more like a squish. Yeah, she's very excited by this week in politics. <laughs> you don't get that on BBC Sounds, do you? You don't. You know, BBC Sounds, it's all slick. <laughs> uh, do, do you just want to inform the listeners of your cat's name so that we can properly introduce it's her? It's Nancy. She has appeared on SP Animals before in the past, so she's no stranger to fame. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but I can't put her outside because she's, you know, she's pushing 18 and um, she's just going to have to be moaning wow. in the background. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We look forward to Nancy's insights. Because um, otherwise, she was trying to get get into pubs and buy cigarettes. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. exactly. Um, yeah. And that's not on. It's not on for cats, <laughs> is it? So, quite right. Down her out. She'll be yeah. nicking money for your purse. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've got a lot to talk about this week. So, before we get started, Tatten. Oh, yes, Patreon. I want to talk about Patreon. Um, and do you know what? I've had such a great conversation with uh, people on Patreon. So someone, someone, because what's been lovely is that in the comments under where we put the video, because if you donate like a fiver, I think it is, you get you get to see us uh, as we do this. And that's the dubious pleasure of our faces along with our voices. And uh, but you can comment underneath. And I had really appreciated that. And so I've really enjoyed chatting to people underneath the video about stuff we've spoken about. So it, so it becomes a dialogue. And someone asked me a really good question about whether seats in Wales were actually safe seats. Mm-hmm. And um, it made me think. And I don't like being challenged <laughs> particularly. Um, so, oh. so actually, I don't uh. like the feature at all. I changed, <laughs> but then, but also another, another Patreon member, which is um, actually my brother James. So hi, James. Uh, so send a long email. Um, about proportional representation and I forwarded it to uh, Dan Charlotte and uh, we all had a good conversation and I realised I didn't reply to him so this is me replying James thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much for that Uh, I mean I should pretend you're not my brother because you're just a regular Patreon person but no thank you very much for that James and thank you very much Gael as well Uh, some really interesting chats and that's so please do join the Patreon so that we can have these conversations we can we can we can, mm. you know, because I can chat nonsense on here and then you can be like, hang on, that's nonsense. I agree with Diane. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, no, that's fair. She's she's always right about stuff. You'd never say that. <laughs> I, I would literally <laughs> never say that. So, yeah, if you want to join us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash simple politics. And for as little as £3 a month, you can get the podcast early and ad free. 
Gosh, Mad X movie so, one? I mean, that was <laughs> that slick. Was, that was really good. That was good. so slick. Thanks. Like, Thanks, you, like that voiceover yeah. work. You should do. Like, I, I, when I was at Parliament, someone I worked with at Parliament did the voiceovers on the tube. Oh wow! And she, That's so like, cool. she was an actor, and and she did, and she did the voiceovers on the tube. And it was really odd because you'd leave work, and then you'd hear her on the platform, and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm back at work. Oh no, I'm just going home." <laughs> I'm easily confused. <laughs> well, on that note, let's get started. <laughs> with the podcast so let's move to the first section which is top posts of the week so what has been third our third most popular post of the week tatten our third most popular post of the week and this shows the week we've Mm. had already we're recording this on a wednesday because i'm not around tomorrow so the third most popular post was about a march for the ceasefire in Gaza. A lot of people calling it pro-Palestinian march. But but we get a lot of messages in SP, which are like, well, i just calling for a ceasefire. That's not necessarily pro-Palestinian. It's just pro-people not dying is, is their perspective. Um, and it was all controversial because it was called a hate march as well. And the police were going to ban it, and they didn't ban it. And then Rishi Sunak was like, oh... You're, I'm going to hold you to account for this. Um, and then, I mean, I hope I'm not being too, Im, like, l- not impartial, being too partial when I say that some some EDL knobs turned up and did some fighting. They were there to, they were there to protect the cenotaph, which is great because the march was nowhere near the cenotaph. And their way of protecting it was by fighting police officers yeah, next and, to it. Yeah, and, and drinking that's, a lot, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good protection. And also taking lots of um, cocaine. Uh, there were arrests for possession of Class A drugs because they just wanted to get high and fight uh, at the Cenotaph, which is the best way <laughs> of remembering our war dead. Like, <laughs> idiots. Mm. Um, and then loads of them got arrested and then loads of them got kept away from the march. And the march itself, which was like three hundred to 500,000 people, mm-hmm. hardly anyone got arrested. And there were like a splinter group at the end wandered off and did some pretty bad things with fireworks and it has to be said within that march there were some outrageous things that were said and done there were some banners that were horrific and it's difficult because yes most people didn't do that but those people walked with a lot of people and presumably weren't challenged properly by the people walking alongside people comparing, uh, the police published a picture of someone comparing Nazis to Jews or to Israel. And people, but she was at the protest and that photo that I've seen, there's no one saying, oi. So, so there are people who were at that march who were fueled with hate and did some awful, did and said awful things. But the vast majority didn't. The vast majority called for a ceasefire. And that's what we posted about. And that was supposed to be a very brief in at three. So I think I've done a rant and I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Get them out the way while you can. Oh, there's Uh, more coming. Don't worry. (laughs) It's a big week. Diane, what what was our second most popular post of the week? Well, I'm just going to defy convention and I'm actually going to tell you the top post of the week because uh, I know because it fits the timeline I'm all about chronology 
And <laughs> nice word. Since when have you all been about theology? Right now, since this very moment. Okay, it starts today. <laughs> Let's go. Um, and so it just works better. Chrono for the, Diane. For the narrative, it's got to go this way round. So actually, I'm telling you it at two, but in at one, it is no surprise, almost topping 50k in terms of people who have liked this post. And that was on Monday. Rishi Sunak sacked Suella Braverman as Home Secretary. He couldn't have done it on the Sunday because it would have completely overshadowed Remembrance Sunday and everything else that was happening. It couldn't have happened. But it wasn't just about the march. It was about other things. She had published an article that he had asked her to amend and change some wording on, and she didn't. Um, She had made some statements about homeless people that potentially weren't signed off either. So there is been this big thing brewing and last night Tatum put up a subsequent post which was Suella's response to Rishi the three page tomb of doom um where she (laughs) um she didn't hold back that rhymes that rhymes in your accent (laughs) but it doesn't rhyme in anyone else's accent so I like it I like that you you, you've done that good work (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> but yes, so um, if you haven't seen that, I don't know if you should read it or not, but it's um, it basically says she got him to the position she was in because of her support she filled, that he only won the, the leadership second time around because of her. Then she asked him to do a lot of things um, that were on her agenda, and she said that he hasn't done it, he hasn't fulfilled them, and he's failing, and he needs to turn the conservative ship around. Yeah, so that that was that. It was it was extraordinary. Um, there was a there was a journalist on Politics Live today uh, who said that the energy behind the letter was, "I dumped you first. Um, <laughs> yeah, very much so. And 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 what she needs like this this ludicrous position of I've hated you for <laughs> ages. It's like, but why didn't you go then? Why why did he have to fight? So. It was a pretty interesting letter. I, I do read it. Don't, don't, don't. No, read, read that letter. Yeah, it's all over. I mean, just get, go on her uh, on her Twitter account. It's, it's there, and it's um, yeah, yeah. It's quite a special piece of writing. Yeah. So, Tatton, what was our actual second most popular post of the week? Uh, our second most popular post of the week. I mean, the hits kept on coming because uh, I because. Uh, just a quick, quick glimpse behind the scenes. I take uh, my son to school in the morning, and uh, and then come home, make a cup of tea, get to the office. When I was in the car, it was saying we think there's probably going to be a reshuffle today. By the time I'd made my tea and sat in the office, she had gone. Uh, I was like, what? It was like it was like eight thirty-five, eight twenty-eight. She was still there. Eight thirty-five. She's gone. Well, well, that's. That's definitely going to be the biggest shock of the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I said to myself. Yeah. Um, and then, and then David Cameron, <laughs> David Cameron, off of the twenty tens, <laughs> came back. Um, I think mm-hmm. we're. Gonna, I think we've actually um, got going to talk a bit more about him later, aren't we? Yeah, people had a lot so of questions I, I, about him. <laughs> A, a lot of, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of questions. Um, all I will say is this, and I don't know if I'm preempting a question here or not. When we send a former prime minister 
abroad as our foreign secretary, that has more gravitas. Like people, a lot of people don't like him because of the green, green, whatever it's green called, self. the, the kind of green seal stuff where he might have been a little bit corruptiony. Um, a lot of people don't like him because of austerity. Uh, people blame him for Brexit. These, these are this, these are these are critics I'm talking about. People like him for a lot of other reasons. In other countries, they don't care about any of those things. They care about former Prime Minister David Cameron pitching up at the embassy, pitching up wherever they are, and he has more sway than someone who's not former Prime Minister. So I think it's very different him being home, if it being foreign secretary than if he'd been given home secretary, mm. because home secretary, that gravitas wouldn't matter. But abroad, it really does. Mm. So I think, that, like, for that alone, I think it might be a sensible thing. But we'll, we'll talk more about why it might not be a sensible thing or whatever uh, later. Yeah, perfect. And on that note, we will move forward to the mailbag. So this is um, the section where you can ask us questions and we will do our best to answer. And this week's uh, mailbag is full of questions about David Cameron. So Tat and Diane, I will let you choose between you each time who wants to answer the question, but we're going to make it quick fire. <laughs> I'm going to, just to H- get through it, because there's a how lot long we got? really interesting. I'm going to give you 45 seconds. But if you're, if you're seeming to have a point, I might give you a, a little longer but then I will stop you at one minute. Oh, you're so sure. flaky. I mean, this is the most complicated, complicated quickfire round ever. <laughs> um, you, you decide who's going to answer it, and then you've probably got 45 seconds, but then you might have a bit longer. But when we get to a minute, it's going to stop, and then you have to put your hands mm. in your head. Look, I take the simple out of simple mm. politics, all right? That's what I'm here <laughs> for. Okay, so first off, uh, Simon asks... Being a lord, how will the Commons be able to scrutinise David Cameron and foreign policy? Who's taking this? I don't mind doing this. Yeah? Go on, Go on, then. Go on okay. Diane. Off Ready? So, we heard about this this week. So, it was actually discussed in the Commons because it is a very good question. Will people actually, will other MPs be able to eyeball David Cameron in the Commons? No, they won't because he's in a different chamber. But... Ministers from the Foreign Office will be there, will be deputising for him, will be presenting policy on his behalf. We have committees and select committees where he can be called to actually face other MPs from cross-party and answer questions and give evidence there. You know, and he's got other means open to him as well, which could be things like press cons or could be writing in papers. You know, there are a number of ways he can express his views. It has been done before. It's not without precedent. So Labour did this, Gordon Brown did this, had Peter Mandelson become a Lord and then become business secretary. So it has been done. Good job. One minute, three seconds. I'm not very good at stopping you, but you know. I got, I got, I got, I got to say, Diane, you, you were, uh, you spent the first half a minute of that congratulating Simon on his question, <laughs> which isn't how we do, which isn't how. I mean, Simon, you have a bang on question. Go you, but it's not how we do quick fire. Uh, right then, oh, 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 oh. Well, the let's see yeah, you do better then. Uh, Here bring we go. It on. <laughs> okay, let's fine. Get the Here we go. Going. Here right, we go. Here go. Much better. So, it's going to be much better. 
Mark asks, with David Cameron becoming Foreign Secretary while not being in Parliament, does that mean I could be a minister too? I'm not an MP just yet, but I think I could do a good job in education, energy, or possibly even the DWP. Go for it, Tan. Yes, Mark. Yes, you could. Uh, you could if, if the Prime Minister wants you on their team, bang, you're a member of the House of Lords, you're in charge. But Mark, what I really want to talk about in the answer to this is I love your diversity. You could take on education, you could take on energy, you could take on universal credit. Yes, Mark, you are who we need right to Rishi right now. Okay, well, that was 23 seconds, but it was an easier question to answer. Oh, so, oh, here we and, go. And Mark still hasn't had any thank you for his question. So, I mean. <laughs> I, come on then, let's go. What's next? Uh, okay, so Heather asks, I've wondered, has a government ever offered a cabinet position to someone from the opposition outside of a coalition? Could it actually be seen as having the best person in the whole of parliament in the right job? I'll take that because um, because it. it's, it's kind of politics, but better question, which is uh, my new book and available now through www.spstuff.co.uk. Uh, I don't know of anyone actually doing it, but I wish they would. I mean, they absolutely mm. could say, bring someone in, you know, you're really good at this, I'd love to have you on board. Picking a cabinet's a massively hard decision because it's not just, you've got to keep all the bits of your party all in jobs in the right place in the right time as well as to deliver everything you're going to do it's really complicated so no one ever has as far as i know done that but i would absolutely see it as having the best person the whole parliament in the right job heather and also thank you very much for your question <laughs> you're a very clever person <laughs> 45 seconds call, we'll give you call that me, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Diane never okay. says that, no, does she? No, I'm not offering that either. Next. <laughs> no, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I happen to know my partner doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can pretty much, I can flirt with Heather all I like. <laughs> right, let's move on. Uh, so, Christina asks, uh, why are people so annoyed at David Cameron resigning when he didn't want Brexit in the first place? He wants to take that one. I'll, I'll go and then Tatton, please pitch in because Brexit was very much your your bag for SP before my day. So I'll give it mm -hmm. my thing. So why are they annoyed at Diva Cameron? Well, they're annoyed because he didn't hang about afterwards at the when the result came out the, and you know people voted for Brexit. He said he'd stand down, and and part of that, if you, if you look back to what he said at the time, was. He didn't want to be in the way. He wanted to let Theresa May get on with it and, and not be a distraction. Okay. And that was, that was what he said. But I guess people are kind of annoyed because whatever the outcome, they thought a PM should potentially just take that on the chin and still work to get a good deal and the best deal. And that's why I think people are annoyed at him. I think that, I think that there's also the, uh, the fact that he said clearly and deliberately he would not stand down. So there's an element that one could say <laughs> he barefaced lied to uh, the public. It could, you could, you could make that argument because if you say something and then you do the thing you've said you wouldn't do, that's often described as lying. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, mm. technically, yeah. Okay, good job there, Diana. You got you got forty five seconds on the dot. So joint effort. Yeah, well done, Diane. Excellent work. Well done. 
I mean, well, Tat you get... and added to that, but you got well, no, seconds. sure, but like it's really interesting the ones that Diane answered, which she's got loads of praise for, and you you've just laughed at me. <laughs> Look, I just um, standing up to the man, yeah, you know, oh. boss man. Oh, oh, <laughs> we're unionizing. <laughs> I don't recognise unions. It's fine. Um, I've, 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 we watched uh, two or three hours of McDonald's mm. chat this week. That was bleak. Mm. Well, I was expecting some fun, some fun posts we could do about Big Macs, uh, and then it was just yeah. about sexual harassment, and it was miserable. Uh, are there any more questions? But there is one more question, and it's not a David Cameron Ooh. question. We're gonna... Thank yeah, goodness well. we've got away from from white right wing men. Thank goodness. Yeah. So Lorna asks. How dangerous is it that Nigel Farage is going into the jungle on I'm a Celeb this year? Who wants to take that? Oh, I do. Um, Go for it. I'm just, I thought that was a really funny joke about David Cameron. and But but then uh, I want to say David Cameron's not that right wing. So it didn't really work. I just thought it was funny. But no one else did. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to apologize for that joke. Um, I don't think it's dangerous that Nigel Farage is going to the jungle, Lorna. Nigel Farage went to the Conservative Party conference and made big, big splashes because he's coming back. He is without a shadow of doubt. If he's not interested in being in frontline politics, like he's said before, why was he at Conservative Party conference? Why was he doing all that? And he got asked a lot of times, would you rejoin the Conservative Party? And he was like, I don't think so. And the Conservative Party was asked lots of times, would you have him mm. back? And they said, oh, I don't think so. But reform... Is it reform? Oh, yes, it is reform. Or renew? It's it is reform. reform. So Richard Tice, his friend Richard Tice, runs a party called Reform, which was the Brexit party, which was Nigel Farage's new party when he left UKIP. He is coming back to stand for reform in the election. He will stand on to the right of the Conservative Party, where Rishi Sunak is trying to bring the Conservative Party to the centre ground. Nigel Farage will stand... He's been making waves. He's been making headlines already. He's now going into the jungle. He is reportedly being paid. Have you seen this? Yeah. One and a half million pounds. Um, which, you know, is a good enough reason. But he's going to be on primetime TV every night for three weeks is it a month i mean i don't know i don't know how long how, how long it works now last year we had matt hancock mm. and everyone hated him already and now everyone sees what an odious liar incompetent man he is but he was on his way out nigel farage is on his way in so he doesn't have to talk about politics he'll talk about politics a bit he needs to be likable he needs to be personable and what he can do is be likable and personable to people around him i i mean i i've i i've seen i've i've seen him speak live i've i've been i'm here in kent and he's done a lot of stuff here in kent in the past and um people love him people are drawn to him his popularity Unlike Matt Hancock, his popularity went down. His popularity will go up because of this. He's not, he's not neglecting any constituency, constituents because he's not an MP, right? His profile, his popularity will go up. He will come back, and in the new year, he will, 
either take over leadership of the Reform Party or he'll leave Richard Tice as leader and he'll just be a high-profile spokesperson for the party. He will stand in a, in a leave seat where the Conservatives are wobbling and my prediction is he will win and he will become an MP and this will make him rich and this will raise his profile and maybe he could open the bank account he wants to open with his money after this. It's, is it dangerous? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I think, I think it's worth thinking about that. If you think Nigel Farage's politics are dangerous, to the extent to which Nigel Farage will influence government policy if he does become an MP is negligible. If we have a Labour government, which probably, if we have a Labour government, Nigel Farage's voice in the Commons won't change very much that's real, especially if after that election, the Conservative Party lurches to the right with a Suella Braveman or Kemi Badenoch leadership. So... Farage will find himself a little bit isolated in the House of Commons with a right-wing Conservative Party. He would vote with them almost all the time. He'd really struggle to show any difference between what he's doing and what the Conservative Party are doing. Now, if there's some kind of coalition, then it's all, you know, it's all a bit different. So I don't know how dangerous it is if you think his policies are dangerous. If you don't like seeing him in the headlines, it's dangerous. He's going to be in the headlines all the way through December and he's going to be in the headlines all the way through next but I'm, year. I'm not as convinced that his personality and charm are going to win over the, the, the general public in the UK. I'm not as convinced. And part of that is because this is great and it, it, you know, it's, it is a primetime TV series, but if the people who have been on it before, Nadine Doris was on it, okay, no, she's she's so far removed from where the power is now. <laughs> um, you know, we had Stanley Johnson has been on it. You know, it, I. Mm. N- Nigel Farage yeah. is a totally, totally. Nigel Farage has got where he's got. I'm like, like I wrote uh, the breakdown, which is my first mm. book, and at the back of it's got change makers. People have made change happen, and I've got a chapter about Nigel Farage in it because he has had a huge influence on this country, and he's had a huge influence on us voting to leave the European Union. He had a huge influence on making the vote happen, and then he had a huge influence on the result. And he does that by being able to connect with people. Well, I mean, like I say, I've been around him a few times. I've seen once he came into the school, where the school where I was, I organised the Question Time event ahead of the um, 2014 EU elections, and he came and uh, and we had a Green Party with all kinds of people, and the students loved him. They voted for Alex, um, the Green Party. 
candidate at the end of the event, but she was a particularly glamorous young lady. So uh, I think that helped. She was she was young and engaging. But but when when he came to Whitstable here in Whitstable. He came, arrived on a boat to a rally, a, a fisherman for the EU or something, for Brexit. And you, the public flocked to him. I've never seen anything like it. The way people see him as their person. His personality, his charisma, his draw for people is, all, is where his successes come from. And you might not find him that charismatic, but a lot of people do. And he will, he will draw in people on this show. Mm. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Vote him off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, people will want to see him eat rubbish. Oh, he's going to get voted. Like, like just... Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock got voted for every task, yeah. didn't he? And Nigel Farage is far and away the most famous person on that show. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tony Bellew. <laughs> um, but but generally, I mean, Tony Bellew could do pretty much and like that, that guy's amazing. But he's the most famous person. He will, he will be doing every single task until the public get bored of it. Well... If you want to watch that, then it will be on sometime. I don't know. I've never watched it. <laughs> I've never watched it until Matt Hancock. I felt oh, like no. I had to for work yeah. last year, and I feel like I should. I, I feel like I should keep an eye on it this year as well. Yeah. And my 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 teenage stepson loves it, so there we go. Fair enough. Right. Let's move on to the next section, which is PM Watch. So this week we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. And just uh, a couple of hours ago, we had the decision on the um, Wanda policy. Tatten, what's what's happened? The Supreme Court said that they unanimously voted that the decision that the High Court had made was the right one. Now, the High Court was a split decision, but the Supreme Court agreed with them. And what that so the policy of Sending someone somewhere else to be processed, and then if they get that, if they if they are allowed to stay, to remain in that other country, and if they're not allowed to stay, they can be sent back. That was legally sound. They've had no problem with that, but Rwanda isn't a very good country for that. There aren't enough protections in place. They will send people... The court said that it's likely they would send people back who really shouldn't be sent back. And there is a memorandum that says, hey, don't do that, Rwanda, but it's not legally binding memorandum. So the court said it's unlawful because Rwanda, not because the principle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the it's the conundrum with this whole policy, though, right? Because thinking about this and having a third country involved, where you want to send asylum seekers to be processed, is finding a country that is safe and where people are going to be, you know, absolutely offered all the protections. 
but is also a deterrent is tricky, right? That almost impossible. And a country that doesn't, that isn't looking, that, that would welcome yeah. it. Yeah. Like every, all the, the richest countries mm-hmm. have a problem with too many people or, or what they say is or feel is too many people coming mm. in. America, mm. right? Has, is all about uh, securing the southern border with Mexico, right? <clears throat> Obviously, Italy, France, Germany, all of these countries. So you're never going to get them mm-hmm. to agree. Japan ain't taking them. Never going to get them to agree to take our illegally arriving mm. refugees. So you've got to go to find somewhere between like the G7 or the G12 richest nations and the kind of countries that people are fleeing from. Like Syria might take them, but we're not sending them to Syria. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you've got to find nations in between. Like I saw a list and, 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 and forgive me, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, but on that list was Iraq as a possible, a possible place to send, to send people to be processed and then live. Don't forget, they have to live there afterwards. Mm. So it was Iraq, and, and I think you'd really struggle with LGBTQ star people seeking refuge in Iraq, yeah. right? Uh, Mexico, maybe, I saw. But that's, again, tr- like a lot of Mexicans trying to get out of Mexico, are trying to flee Mexico for a better life elsewhere. So that's tricky. All the nations that we're talking about are problematic for us to send people mm. to. So the government, and again, we are, we, we are recording on Wednesday. Um, so we haven't heard from, this afternoon we're going to hear from Rishi Sunak. But I think he's going to say the same thing as, we're going to try to get more from Rwanda. Rather than appeal to another court, we're going to try and get more safeguards. We're going to try and put more in place so that we can shore up Rwanda mm-hmm. and fulfill the, the demands of the court mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. because the, 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 the idea of it is solid and stands. Mm. So we need, to, we need to make Rwanda less... Yes, and, and it puts him in a it puts Rishi in a in in a difficult position in the party as well, though, right? Because this has been his, his the big idea on on illegal immigration, and already since the verdict, we have had some very outspoken conservatives. I'm thinking about Lee, uh, oh, forget Anderson, Anderson. who's the already Anderson. said send them anyway. anyway. Forget the ruling, you know that, and and that's. That's what he's got in his party at the minute. He's the chair. Yeah. He's like the chair of the party. So, deputy yeah, chair. But, De- deputy well, chair. Well, thank you, yeah. Charlotte. But yeah, that. So it's a really tricky situation. Really tricky to manage because some people don't even want to adhere to this ruling. But James cleverly made that very clear that they did respect the ruling and that they would go back on it you know go back with more guarantees so they're also saying a lot about how they've cut the number of small boat arrivals by 20 percent. i think it is this year and everywhere else in 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 europe or whatever it is it's gone up but that's a really tricky line to to go with because from what i understand the reason numbers are down is that it rained a lot in august and August is the prime month to to cut to, to cross. And if they shout too much about that now, 
And if the election isn't till October, and this is what might be in May still, but if the election isn't till October, that figure will jump again, presumably, because none of this is going to be in place, presumably that figure jumps again, not just if it, if it jumped again back to normal, then that would be a more than 20% rise because of the way percentages work. Right, and if it jumps higher, then you've got thirty, forty percent rise really easily. So they're still a little bit muted because they understand this. Mm. They're still a little bit muted about shouting about how they did it. Because the other thing that's happened this week, this it's just really <laughs> bad timing for, for, for poor, <laughs> poor, poor Sunak. Is that um, he's he's ticked one off, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's ticked off a key pledge: inflation halved and then mm-hmm. another key pledge of stopping the boats looks less likely to succeed yeah and that's all within a morning and that's what kind of week it's been yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well talking about the kind of week it's been and it has been quite a week let's move forward to the crystal ball What is going to happen in the next week, Tatton? Oh, it's going to be another busy week, Charlotte. <laughs> it's what's going to happen. Um, so next Wednesday, we'll have PMQs as normal. After PMQs, Jeremy Hunt will stand up and deliver his autumn statement. There's so many pressures right now, it feels more like a full mm. budget. Like an awesome statement's often a standing up and tinkering a little bit, but this feels like a like a full budget, and he's going to he's not going to cut taxes particularly because um, he doesn't have the, the 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 income to do so. There's lots of pressure groups asking him to spend all kinds of things. Honestly, right now I don't know what he's going to do. Um, it money's so tight still everywhere like we have zero growth at the moment like flat line growth we have we have got a bit less inflation which is good but some prices are still going up the cost of living crisis is not over yet he will want to do things that he can say look look i'm i'm being sensible but i'm still giving you what i can and then in the spring in the actual budget then he will want to put out some election-winning rabbits, rabbits out of hats, rabbits, rabbits out of <laughs> yeah. hats. Yeah, um, his elect. Yeah, he wants to. He'll he'll want to he'll want to stand up and and deliver a budget for mm-hmm. votes in the spring. But this one, I think, will be keeping a lid on it for now, doing what he can. Diane, what's in your crystal ball? Oh, nothing to add. That's that's perfect. I did not think we would be talking David Cameron this week. And so I can't even make a prediction for next week. Who knows? Who knows? No. William Hague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. It has been quite a week, but... Um... I think I, mean, I might spend it. my this weekend. I might spend my weekend putting together my fantasy ex-conservative cabinet. Well, um, <laughs> Katie's in for a treat of a I weekend, be... isn't she? So, Katie, Ian Duncan Smith, what are you thinking? <laughs> 
on that note, let's uh, leave it there for this week because that's plenty. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with fewer things to talk about because mm. there's so much we haven't even covered. It's yeah, yeah. Um, but we will see what happens. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, bye. Charlotte. Bye. just heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.